We are live. We are wired for sound. Um, you know, something like this and that we're doing tonight, uh, we can get very technical and scripturally sound, but you don't catch anything. And uh, my heart, our heart tonight, is that we catch God's heart. Uh, and that sounds very twee, doesn't it, and a bit almost quite trite. But that's as genuine and authentic as I can be tonight. Because uh, when God spoke to Tino, however long ago, and me so many months ago, which confirmed this, I, I, we believed that we caught something of God's heart. And uh, this in itself is, we've titled it, we we're going to call it uh, the school of the prophets but that didn't sort of because uh, there was a school of the prophets in the old testament but that didn't seem quite right because we don't want to teach people how to prophesy we want to encourage people to be with god and become prophetic and i think there is a, a massive difference so we don't want it to be sharp or singular in that sense and even this in itself is prophetic you know, I don't know what you think about being a prophetic people or what prophecy is, but it's about just being in the Spirit on the Lord's day, which is all the time and every day. But I think sometimes we've got into a, a mould and maybe over the next five weeks we will dig some old wells. Maybe for, for some of you it will be just a giant reminder or a giant stick poking you to regain, revisit, go again. Uh, you know, Tino's preaching on Sunday was about, uh, you might have remembered different things, but one of the things he said several times was course correction. And so these five weeks really are about maybe for all of us to have a course correction because we've lost something We've become comfortable. We've been scared off. Um, do you know... <laughs> with a move of the Spirit, as far as my experience is concerned, there is always a move of the flesh. And then there's a move of the devil who wants to counterfeit that which is real. Because this is a, a very vicious war that we're in. If you don't recognise that, you need to probably wake up and, and smell the coffee. Or it's just me being had, had a go at, and I know it's not. So strategically, we need to be as sharp and as on the ball as we can be. And, uh, and so it's not about, these five sessions are not about Sunday mornings. They're not about a... Uh, could you do us a favour? Give those out school teacher um, they're not about a small window of opportunity when we meet on a Sunday morning uh, where somebody Dave Elms on Sunday and Nita prophesied and gave out a word that's just a small window of opportunity to be prophetic and to demonstrate us lis listening to God and obeying God but you know, my heart, and I believe God's heart, is much broader than that. It's much deeper than that. It's much wider than that. 
And it's not about geography or time, but it's about us being sensitive to the Holy Spirit all of the time. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we say things, biblical things, scriptures, like Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And we quote that quite easily, don't we? You can nod and say amen anytime. The mic won't pick it up, but I'll be encouraged. Uh, but we do, don't we? We, we? we read things like this, that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. I think that's quite a heavy duty, quite dramatic, uh, powerful statement. It's profound. And if we thought about that, and we are to be, you know, Christians really mean little Christs. And that's, that, we are little, Christ, little Christs, aren't we? We are, I don't like the phrase, but the Americans have said, now we are Jesus with skin on. We represent Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. He wants to see through my eyes. He wants to minister through my hands. He wants to speak through my lips. He wants to be in me and through me. So the same Christ that walked this planet Earth, only doing what he saw the Father do, it seems to me, I make a powerful, bold suggestion, that that's how he wants us to live as well. And, and, and I find myself, maybe, I don't, I'm not going to give percentages out, but a, quite a percentage of my day, just with my size eight and a half hobnail boots, just trundling through life and getting to the end of it, and thinking, what happened? And, and I am convinced that we, the body of Christ, listen, I'm convinced that I, right, but if you want to put yourself in my eye, because I'm not pointing the finger at you, I'm, I need this, I need this more than you guys, but I'm convinced that we, excuse me, I, miss so many opportunities because I bludgeon through life with my hobnail boots on, or I'm just comfortable or I need to set my face like flint again. I need to kindle afresh and stir up the gift that is within me. Would you, can you get it? <laughs> and, uh, and I, anyway, yeah, I'll start preaching. I just want to stick to the subject, really. So it's not about just Sundays. It's not just about small groups. And this some of the sayings that we've heard, some of us in this room have been Christians a long, long time. At 40 years, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't look that old, do I? <laughs> Thanks for the mo- mockers. And uh, we say things and we do things and they become cliched like... Being a prophetic people is not about doing something. It's about being something. It's about being someone. And we say things like, it's a lifestyle. And it's become cliched. But being a prophetic people is lifestyle. Can you take that on board? Do you know I haven't prayed? Let me me just pray. I forgot to pray. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come tonight. And you would hover and brood over each one of our hearts, Lord God, and minds and and, and our whole beings, Lord God. That you would illumine us, Lord God. And I pray that you'd open up the seedbed of our hearts and you would plunge deep into that 
good soil, your word and your desire and your passion and your instruction and all that you want to plant in our hearts through these sessions, Lord God, so that, Lord, they may be deep and buried so that they may take root and bear fruit in and through our lives, Lord God. So, Father, please come and do what you want to do. We want to catch your heart, Lord God, not just words, lively words, dead words, clever words. We want to hear the word of the rhema, word of God, Lord God, that cuts like a two-edged sword, that cuts so deep, Lord God, it, it divides our soul from our spirit, Lord God, that we might know your truth and we might be changed, freed, Lord, transformed by that very same living truth, Father God. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sorry about that. So what we want to do over the next five weeks is give some scriptural foundation. We want to maybe give some biblical protocols because has anybody ever seen any flakiness in the body of Christ? <laughs> flakiness. <laughs> steady, steady, I'm being taped, don't mention names. Um, but you know, listen, my heart and God's heart is for none of us to be flaky. But you know what? So many hundreds of years ago, they thought the earth was flat. How daft is that? Some people, yeah. How daft is that? Some people don't even think we've landed on the moon. The earth was flat and it was only through experience and understanding that they began, began to know the truth that the earth was round and the sun, it, nothing re revolves around the earth except the moon. They learned because of experience. They built better telescopes to understand where we live and how we live and I don't want flaky. I don't want strange. I don't want unusual. I don't want anything that's going to frighten us. But where I am today, walking with God for 40 years, I have only, I, I, I have only scratched the surface. That's my humble opinion. I look that way and I think, I really know God. Whoa, I've come. And then I look that way and I think, I know nothing. We haven't scratched the surface. Please, I know some in this room, you've seen flaky. It's like shooting a shotgun. And sometimes we've shot at the target and the recoil has hit us in the shoulder and we've missed the target and we've thrown the gun down and think, thought, I'm not having that. And we close ourselves off possibly to the move of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> I have. You know, years ago we had a, a time in Kingsway, didn't we, where there were particular things going on and uh, it was controversial and it caused upset. And all of a sudden, it was in regard to the, the deliverance ministry, but all of a sudden, nothing happens. Now, have all the devils gone to Africa? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the irony. 
Well, the obvious answer is no. So what's happened? Somehow we may have shot the gun, the recoil has hurt our shoulder, we've missed the target, and so we've put the gun down. That's how I see it. Misuse and abuse are only made right by correct use, not disuse. That's stolen, that one. (laughs) Nothing new under under the sun. Misuse or abuse are only corrected by correct use, not disuse. And so I, I want us all to explore and experiment with this third person of the Trinity called Holy Spirit. And it might be risky. In fact, I can promise you at later sessions it will be risky. And uncomfortable. And it will challenge your belief system maybe. And I still don't want flaky. And I still want things to be scripturally as sound as a pound. And we will over the weeks build in some safety nets so that we can think and believe what is happening is of God. But you know what? It's still a risk. If you think any who get up of a Sunday morning to that mic and say, I believe God's saying, and they, they don't get the collie wobbles, you're deceived. They may look so confident, so assured, Dave Elms including, and say, God is saying this, and give it out with such gusto and boldness. But inside, we still have to take a chance. We still have to say, I believe in faith. This is of God. I'm waffling slightly. Let's move on. But there will be a scriptural foundation. We will look at some biblical protocols. We want to create here a safe space to learn and to practice. Lock the doors. <laughs> because we need to learn and practice. It doesn't come upon us like osmosis and all of a sudden we're an experienced, hardened, well-practiced prophet or prophetic people. It comes through exercise, and we'll get to that. But also, I've written here, I believe God wants to release us from fear into faith and love and risk-taking. Are you up for it? Are you up for it? Are you up for it? (laughs) You know, for some of us, we might need a parachute. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay, because that's what... When Joe Walters, some of you might know, did this many years ago, and this is a safe environment, a safe environment. You might say in a minute, I believe God is a Liverpudlian and he doesn't like Everton. (laughs) Go for it if you believe that's what God is saying, right? There's authority here. We have eldership here. We have people who are experienced here who can say, well, why would he say that? How do you feel he said that? What did it feel like? Do you think it's scriptural? Does it, is it constructive or destructive? How does it fit into the scheme of things? Does it bring about the purposes of God, etc., etc.? Does that make sense? Yeah. So we've got freedom to experiment. In, in factories, they have a sales department and they have a research department. Now, in the sales department, they have zero tolerance. But in the research and development... They have no tolerance. Do you get that? And we're in the research and development night tonight where we can just research and develop and we can 
We can try and we can experiment under an atmosphere of love and authority. Hallelujah. Okay, let's just, let me start. (laughs) Why? Why? Why are we supposed to be? Why are you here tonight? Why are we called to be a prophetic people? Because before we get to the what, I think it's crucial that we ask the question why. And motivation is probably more important than what actually happens. Our motivation and why we do something is really crucial. When I was a young Christian uh, in 1979-80s, and I came to this church, and uh, I just got knocked off my donkey. And, uh, and I watched, I observed, I was like a sponge, I didn't know anything, I was as green as the days long. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit, saved on the same night, slain in the Spirit, spoke in tongues, and da 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 And went to, went to work on the, on the Monday, and told everybody. I didn't have the wisdom I was born with, basically. But I, I observed, people did certain things, and I thought, I can do that. I'm going to do that. And so I did do that. And I was free. And over 40 years, I've become sophisticated. I've become technical. I've become self-conscious. I'm not as free as I was sometimes. But, and my motivation sometimes was just to get something that was better than he got something. My motivation was, I just want to show off. Give me a word, God. Don't give me just, just says the Lord. God loves you. I wanted something that was just going to knock their socks off. That's how I was. And maybe that's how we can be still. We want to show off. We want to play church. We want to look good. But if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn to them, hopefully you've got note sheets there if you want to take notes. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says this. I'm reading from the Amplified. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. Isn't that fab? Do you know, there there is the correct motivation for being prophetic. What a safety net that is already. We will be talking about risk in another session and safety nets. There's one of the biggest safety nets immediately on the first night. Is it upbuilding? Is that your motivation to be here tonight? Don't answer. Is it to upbuild? Is it to be constructive? In your spirituality? Is it to minister constructive spiritual progress to whom you're ministering to? Thanks, Ernie. That's our motivation. That's why I'm here tonight. You know, I'm scared about tonight because we've said, if God doesn't show up, I'm going to look stupid. And I'm willing to take the chance of looking stupid so that because my motivation in God is your and my spiritual constructive progress, your encouragement and consolation. If anybody knows me, they know I'm not 
a sentimental, mushy-gushy, lovey person. And again, prophetic, being prophetic is all of those positive things. I remember going to see Dave Elms. Remember Mark Perry? Yeah. With Mark Perry, 1900 and frozen to death. And we were young Christians, very enthusiastic, and we'd heard from God. Oh my God, I'm embarrassed. I can't even tell you the story. <laughs> I can't even tell you, except Dave Elms wiped the floor with us. He did, in his house in Kingsway. It's, I'll never forget it. And I, I'm, Anyway, I came out of his house, I got in the car and I went, I felt so, so, so uplifted and yet told off. So immaturely ignorant and like, who do you think you are, Jim? You've been deceived, but so good about it. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying every word needs to be, there, there, Val, God really loves you, whatever's going on. You're really great because you're part And it's not all about just being mushy and gushy. Sometimes we need tough love. And sometimes prophetic words need to be tough love. Now we need wisdom how to minister that, don't we? And we'll get into being safe on on another night. Tino's word on Sunday, this thing about course correction was fabulous. Fabulous. We all are walking and needing course correction. It is tic-tac, isn't it? The wind, some of the wind is contrary. Some of our heart condition is contrary to sound doctrine and upbuilding and spiritual progress. And so I want to plant that in your hearts. The motivation is to be upbuilding and constructive encouragement and consolation. But it doesn't need to be weak. I don't have kids. Some of you have kids. You've loved your kids, haven't you? In strong ways. And, and, and we sometimes need that course correction from God. Do you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4? You know, in, in all of this, I, I am so excited that God is inviting the likes of me to take part with him in this work. It's not a burden, is it? It's only a burden when it becomes, you know, we can get into intercession or we can carry someone on our hearts who's maybe sick or prodigal or whatever. It becomes a burden. And that's all right to carry those burdens because we feel deeply with God. But this is, I, I tell you what, I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I think I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. That'll preach. Uh, but for, for, I want to minister to you guys some excitement of the heart of God who's wooing us as a church, who's wooing us individually to take part in this. It's, it's, I've won the Golden Wonka ticket. I've opened my my box of chocolates and I've got a golden ticket. Do you feel like that? Some of you are not so sure. Do you feel like that? No. Thanks, Ernie. That's how I feel. To actually be privileged by Almighty God to, to be maybe his hands or his feet or his mouthpiece is off the scale. Isn't it? 
It's off the scale. And that's our walk. That's how I believe we were to walk. Not in a proud way, but I'm one of his kids. I'm, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a, I'm, a sword. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Do you know that makes me flex my shoulders and my chest and want to do some business? I've got the weapons and the tools and the resources on the inside because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside. I can construct stuff by my gob, by my mouth, by my words. I can create something good. Some of us, you're not so sure, but that's the truth. And it's counterculture, and it's cutting across the grain of the world, isn't it? Which is so destructive, and so negative, and so hopeless, and so desperate. Suicide figures are are off the scale, and it should break our hearts. You know, it's gender issues that are just, people are just, oh God, they're scrambled, aren't they? And guess guess who's been commissioned and being sent to be constructive. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. That's me. And, and I tell you, that we're going to get onto something in a minute that's so desperately needed. You know, I, I do think of Isaiah who overheard this conversation in heaven. And God's sneaky. God, well, my God is sneaky. <laughs> the Godhead is having, having a conversation. You know the story, I've said it before. And Isaiah's here in the throne room. And it's like they haven't seen him. He's here. Who are we going to send? Jesus, Holy Spirit. Who are we? He's here. That's what I think's going on right now. The Godhead is having a conversation. Listen, I'm stupid. I'm a child. I'm woo over here, God. Me, send me. That's the attitude I believe we've got to have. We can't muddle along anymore. Tepid. I have to say this because sometimes, I, I, sometimes people get condemned by what I say and they think I'm judging them. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus and my heart is never to bring you under judgment or condemnation or to feel bad. I just want you to feel good about you, who you are in Christ. And we are commissioned and sent to be his mouthpiece. Hallelujah. Anyway, sorry. I have to constrain myself. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is about God. And God, his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men, which is men and women, to us. He gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave those to the church. He didn't just give the people, the the men and the women, in the office of these things. He gave these gifts to us. We could have a five-week session about evangelism. We may not have a prophet in our midst. Some of us have a strong leaning to the prophetic, but all can prophesy and be prophetic. We may not have an evangelist in the midst. We may have some who have a leaning towards evangelism, but we're all called to evangelise. Yes. Apostolic. There may not be an apostle in the midst. We, some of us have, may have that leaning. But we get mixed up with the word apostle. Apostles, that's another story, isn't it? Apostles were sent 
into a, 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 a city that was taken by the army and they were to create the atmosphere of Rome in that city. So when in Rome, do as the Romans. They were called apostles. They went out and created the Roman rule and reign and atmosphere. That's what we're here to do. So that's being apostolic. That was an old-fashioned word that Jesus used. He came just at the right time when the Roman Empire was at its fullest because to use some of these terms. Anyway, verse 12. God, his intention, listen to this, and this is the call upon our lives. His intention was for us to be used for the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. Verse 14 So then we may no longer be children, tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. The prey of cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men who are engaged in every shifting form of trickery in inventing inventing errors to mislead. Verse 16, for because of him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplies, when each part, with power adapted to its need, is working properly in all its functions, it grows to maturity, building itself up in love. Hallelujah. What a commission. What a commission. What a commission. Now, I'm not burdened by that. I don't feel any heavy, ooh, that's a big job. I feel, come on, we can do this. We're called to do this. So what about the who? We've talked a little bit about the why. And our motivation is, uh, is a positive motivation. Like I said before, some people are definitely called to be prophets. Uh, if you go on YouTube... <laughs> everybody's a prophet <laughs> there are so many prophets out there yeah. and uh, I don't want to criticise anybody but some people just they, they like the sound of it so uh, they printed themselves off a certificate that says I am a prophet dodgy right mm. it's up for the body of Christ to say some, in my opinion somebody is something you know and that normally confirms what God is saying to them but there's definitely the office of a prophet and some of us have a leaning to the prophetic. But we're all exhorted to prophesy. Joel, I won't read this, but Joel 2, 28 and 29 says, In the latter days, the Spirit of the Lord will fall upon all flesh. You, is anybody here not all flesh? Your sons and daughters will, will prophesy, will drink, your old men, your maidservants. And, listen, is, is there anybody here not a son or a daughter? Nobody was made in a Petri dish. Yeah, it'll come if Jesus tarries. Uh, 
This is for us. If you feel you're here because you're curious and you don't feel as though this is for you, this is only for somebody special or somebody in the office, then you're mistaken. This is for you. This is for you. You need to say that to yourself. This is for me. This is for me. This is for me. You want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? Please. I'm reading from the Amplified and listen to some of the, please listen to some of this language because I don't know what you're like, but Finished. Yeah, I don't know how to say some things, you know. We are full of so much other stuff that we've lost our hunger. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe part of when we practice tonight, we need to repent. Because I just, you know, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. As the deer pants for the water, so my heart longs. I don't remember ever being that thirsty, ever. Because I live here in the Western world where I've got a tap, I've got bottled water. You can buy six or seven types of water when you go to the supermarket. I don't know, if you brought someone over from the Sahara Desert who've lived there all their lives and said, go and get yourself some water, you'd go, what the heck? Do you know what I mean? Hunger is vital. I'm, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm going off slightly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, says this, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love that it's talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. Make it your aim, your great quest. Wow. What's my ministry? What shall I do for God? There's a great start, isn't it? Where does 1 Corinthians 14? Does it? Sorry, I have to typo. It's 1 to 3. Yeah, my fault. Pardon? No, who? Excuse me. So it's 1 Corinthians 14? 1 to 3. Thank you. Excuse me. Now that's a typo. That was my mistake. It's a, it was only photocopied of what I wrote. So 1 Corinthians Wait. chapter... Sorry, one was a big verse. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Are they pens there? Yeah. Can I one? Of course you can, yeah. Okay. So 1... Is everybody at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 3? You're in the spirit. Eagerly pursue and seek and acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. I think that's fantastic. I'm on a quest for the love of God. Wow. Earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual endowments, gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's a job done, isn't it? that, That answers the who, doesn't it? See, who, who's Paul? Who's the Holy Spirit writing to here? It's not your special ones. It's not your anointed ones. It's not your ones who've got a special cassock or a special stance and they look at you like that. Weirdo. He's writing to the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones at Corinth, which basically is the church, isn't it? He's talking to you. He's talking to you. 
He's saying, make this love your quest. But it says here, please let the... Tino spoke about a mirror on Sunday. This is a great mirror, isn't it? I'm looking into this now and I'm thinking, and it's, I'm looking at myself and it's saying, uh, earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts. I'm wanting. Is anybody, you found wanting? Yeah. Would you own up to that? Yeah. It says earnestly desire. <coughs> what does that look like? We earnestly desire to watch the match. Nothing's going to stop me going to the match on Saturday. Nothing. I earnestly desire so many other things. But here, in the word of God, in the purposes of God, to the church of God, the Holy Spirit is saying, earnestly desire and, I love that word, cultivate. Wherever you are tonight, as I've been a prophetic people, it's going to take some, it's going to take some digging. It's going to take some seed planting in your heart. It's going to take some effort for us to cultivate this. For too long we've thought, well, if it happens, it happens. If God wants me to have it, it'll happen. That's nowhere in the Bible. It's just not there. I don't see it. Do you see God wants to woo us to earnestly desire You see, in the journey, we gain what we need for the destination. The the journey is more important than the destination. It's the journey, it's the process, it's the actual pressing through and getting to the destination with the encouragement that causes us to be the people of God so that our character can keep us where our gifting will take us. Mm, that's the bit. Mm. Are, you get, are you with me? I, when I first came here, there was a guy, I won't mention his name, there was a young lad here, and he, he used to wreck my head, honestly, and, uh, because he had a switch at the back of his neck, because his lifestyle was a little bit, and I used to think, he's, he's rude, <laughs> he's just a bit obnoxious, to be honest with you, dead brash and loud, and I was this little sparrow, like today. And, uh, but he couldn't have switched the switch on and prophesy. And it used to do, it used to, it used to aggravate me, but you know, it says that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. But our heart's desire, and God's heart, is that we have the character so that when the gifting operates, it will keep us steady. It will keep us in a place where we can carry on and not fall off our perch. Because pride comes before a fall. So to the church at Corinth, to the church at Kingsway, he's saying, earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially, especially, especially. Colin, it's to you. Especially. It's especially. Peter, it's especially. That you may be prophetic. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning. Because the Holy Spirit utters secret truths and hidden things. Verse 3 says, but on the other hand, the one, the one, the one who prophesies. Who interprets the divine will and purpose of God. Speaks to men for their upbuilding 
and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. We've read that before. It says here, the one. You are that one. You are that one. We are that one. This one is not the special one. It's the everyone. And you, I want to I wanna really... You may have come here for all kinds of reasons tonight, but I want to I lay something on you. I want to pin something. I wish I had... I was the sheriff and I had deputy badges, if you will. And Matt, I've, you're here tonight and you've heard that. It's out the box. You are now responsible. Because before you heard that, you could have... But now you've heard it, there becomes a responsibility, doesn't there? Anybody regret coming? <laughs> There's this, not yet, thanks, Pete. Yeah, it might come. There is a sheriff's badge now planted on each one of us to especially be prophetic. Am I making this up or is it in the scripture? That's, we're going to get to that in a minute. Jim, can I just come in on something? Please, Tino, yeah. Um, while Jimmy was speaking, I was thinking about uh, a bowman with an arrow, uh, an archer, if you like. And um, I got this sense in which, you know, you can give a bow and arrow to a kid and they could pull it back and fire off an arrow and who knows where it might end up. But you would only trust a bowman that's actually experienced, has got practice, who's got the muscle power to be able to handle the bow, point it in the right direction and release the arrow. And that's what I see character being, the muscle building, the development and the discipline that goes along with prophecy. By that I mean things like knowing that it's anchored in the word. That's, that's building muscle in, in, our, in our prophetic utterances. And once that character's there, it, it gives us more power to use the gift that God has given us, if you see what I mean. It becomes far more accurate, more powerful, more penetrating. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tino. It's the case when, you know, prophecy as an arrow is being told as a person. Yeah. You don't want that person to skew you through the heart. Like if they could hit the apple on your head or whatever it might be. That'll preach. 